House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. And welcome back to the House of Mystery. I'm Dave North Martino, your host for this episode. Surprise, surprise. Uh, well, we have a full house today. And um, Aunt Becky isn't here. That's, that's a full house joke. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, <laughs> to my left, uh, maybe the devil on my shoulder, uh, working the controls today is uh, the great Alan R. Warren. How are you today, Al? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, you can't do old jokes like that because they're no. showing your age. I know. It's like a dad joke. Full house, yeah. It's terrible. Take your dad pants off. <laughs> I know, crazy. Are, are you losing circulation? See, I have Al tied up. So we can, it's just enough slack to work the controls for today. Yeah, no, I never had circulation no. to begin with. No, that's true. <laughs> and uh, to my right, uh, the co-host today is uh, D.W. Gillespie. Welcome, D.W., Hey, how are how you doing? Very good. I guess you're the angel on my shoulder. Yes, I do not have any. Uh, I don't have any full full house jokes, unfortunately. No, but uh, maybe something about Uncle Jesse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, now today uh, we have an author uh, who not only writes her own fiction, but is the co-writer of a very interesting nonfiction book, The Science of Stephen King. The Truth Behind Pennywise, Jack Torrance, Carrie, Cujo, and more iconic characters from the Master of Horror. Let's uh, welcome Meg Hafdal to the program. Thank you. Welcome, Meg. Thank you so much. Did I, did I, did I get your name right? Yeah, you did. Okay. I, I like how you made it sound. It sounded very fancy. Thank you. Ah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Excellent. So, um... So let's let's start with the Stephen King book. Um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, my, my parents coming home from a yard sale. They were yard selling, and uh, they knew I was into horror. And they um, and they they grabbed me. This was like '95, right? So I'm showing my age. <laughs> I was like 14. They grabbed uh, a, a, a paperback of uh, Carrie and Cujo, and those were the first uh, uh, Stephen King books I read, and I became hooked very quickly. Um, I wonder, um, how, how did you get into Stephen King? Yeah, well, you know, writing this book, it was, it was sort of fun to see how everybody kind of has, like, this Stephen King origin story of how they came across it. A lot of times it seems to be um, that they found a paperback on their parents' shelves. Mm. Um, and Or, you know, a lot of people would, because we asked, you know, when we were interviewing, like, how did you come into to loving Stephen King? And, you know, a lot of people started with the, the films and then went back to the books. Um, but for me, I read Carrie uh, when I was about 13. And, mm. you know, it I'm sure you, because you were a teenager when you read it yep. as well, it's a very, well, it just made sense to me. I mean, it, it carries what she was going through, you know, even though obviously there's this huge supernatural element. Obviously, Stephen King is really good about, you know, drawing these characters who are um, empathetic and you feel viscerally what they're feeling. And, and so Carrie was just a big sort of eye-opening experience for me. And, and, you know, I haven't looked back since. So um, like most horror people, I, I've had, you know, a love affair with his books um, for quite a long time. Yeah, I'm same here. Um, did, did King inspire you to want to be a writer? For me, it was Ray Garten, but uh, King was definitely mm. a big influence for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, there was something accessible about his books. Um, I love, you know, horror, more literary horror as well. Not that, you know, I... I I don't want to sound like I'm knocking him because when I was in college, you know, I was a, a literature major and people would knock on Stephen King yeah. and I would be so annoyed because I, he, he's such a fantastic writer and he writes such wonderful characters. But I also love, you know, your classic Gothic horror novels. I love Shirley Jackson. I, I love so many different authors, but there's something about Stephen King 
Um, I mean, not only is he prolific and he's told so many wonderful stories, but his characters just fast with you. And, and I sort of drew my, a lot of inspiration, um, really with the characters, um, wanting to, you know, write these just such well drawn out characters, um, mm-hmm. that are funny and complicated and absurd. I think Stephen King is really good at pointing out the absurd, um, aspects of life. And, um, I've always just loved that about him. And if I can, you know, take one little shred of that into my storytelling, I, yes, definitely. He's an inspiration. Yeah, this, I always think of um, whenever that conversation comes up about, you know, how Stephen King is, you know, how you rank him as a writer. And, and the thing that always comes to mind for me is that, like, yes, there are definitely better writers out there, but, like, there's not very many better storytellers. He is, like, such a good storyteller. And when you think about, you know, how those stories affected you and stuff, how how, how did you start to approach this idea of, looking at these characters and these situations in a scientific way? How did, how did you start that? Well, um, this is our, mine and my co-author's third book um, that we've done this with. So we had written Science of Monsters and Science of Women in Horror. Um, so we, in every, in those ones, we had focused really on film. Um, so this was kind of our first time where we decided we were going to focus on the books and not the, the films. Um, because that just felt, you know, better and right to us. Um, you know, the first thing we did, and, and kind of the way I describe our books is, you know, science is important. We have we talk about, you know, what what you might typically think of science, like, you know, physics and biology and all those interesting things. But we also talk about, you know, cultural um, anthropology and sociology and psychology and all those different aspects. So. I think the first thing we did um, is we divvied up exactly what books we wanted to work on um, as lifelong. We're both lifelong Stephen King fans. So that was hard. And we had a lot of people kind of come to us and be like, why didn't you do this book? And why didn't you do that book? Um, But, you know, if we wrote about every single book, um, it would have to be, you know, an entire series of its own. So we, we tried to, you know, really pick the ones that really, you know, got us excited And then, you know, for us, and we say this a lot, but we end up going down rabbit holes. So, you know, I was working on the dark half, for instance, um, and I I ended up going down this whole sort of, you know, dark hole, so to speak, of um, uh, the biology that is mentioned in that book. And, you know, you end up kind of just learning these really sort of fascinating things about, you know, um, fetus and fetu and, um, you know, um, uh, conjoined twins and all these different things. Um, so you kind of end up just like taking where it, going where it takes you. And that's what I love about research. I mean, I'm a fiction writer, so, you know, that's, I would say that's kind of my first love, but I also love the, active research and being able to sort of start with Stephen King like there's no other better way to start. Well you wrote this book with um, with Kelly and, uh, and you've written uh, other books as, as you were talking about. How did that uh, collaboration come about and uh, how was that process for you? Well um, so first of all we are best friends. We've been best friends for 20 years so um, we that kind of adds like a whole other element to it. Um, you know, sometimes people are writing books with people they've never met or they barely know. Um, so there is, you know, that sort of emotional component to it as well, because we, we love each other. We want, you know, the other to be successful just as we want ourselves to be successful. So, you know, I think it adds, um, of course there are those distracting elements of it as, as well, because it's like, Oh, you know, Maybe I wanted that book, but I guess I'll let Kelly talk about it because, you know, we do have to divvy up some of the work, um, especially because once you sort of go down um, a research um, avenue, you, you, it's really difficult to sort of um, let somebody else kind of get on that train. Sometimes you just, you're already on it. And um, so we, we divvy up our work. We do it differently in every book um, that we worked on. 
um, sort of how we're going to approach it. Right now, we're writing a book about Agatha Christie, and we've taken a you know a totally different approach to um, uh, how we're sort of doing every chapter. But it's a lot of communication. Um, it's you know a lot of of work as far as you know. Hey, I'm going to talk about this. You know, you want to make sure you're not redundant. You want to not you know both be doing work on the same thing. So communication, I mean, it's cheesy, but it really is key to, um, you know, writing, writing a good book and making sure that you're all, you're taking care of all the things that people want and need in a a book about Stephen King. Do you, um, do you think your nonfiction uh, writing has kind of improved your, your fiction work? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think it has because, well, for instance, um, I do a lot of historical research for um, these books, and I ended up writing a whole um, book that came out last year, my third short story collection, um, Twisted Reveries. I was so sort of inspired by my historic research, I wanted to write all my stories in that book. I call them antique because they're basically all pre-World War II Um and so I was able to sort of take from my historical research and, and then build these really scary, spooky, gothic stories. Um, I think any type of writing you do, you know, just helps you become a better writer because you're just doing it more and you're, and you're learning the craft. And, you know, every second you're writing, you know, is, is going to help you in the long run. But, yeah, I, I definitely see how the, the research aspect has helped me in my fiction Um and I mean, you know, it's a cliche, but truth is stranger than fiction. So there have been some like really <laughs> creepy things I've come across where I'm like, I need to write a novel about that or a story about that because that is just way too scary and creepy. So um, as far as your fiction goes, um, it, for me as a writer, I know that it's kind of, I never intended to like end up in a certain kind of, I don't know if you call it subgenre or whatever, but I think that we all have our own natural tendencies as writers and we end up kind of, you know, yeah, that's the type of writer you are. That's the type of, you know, story you write for your fiction. How would you describe the type of fiction? You said Gothic. I mean, are you into, you know, more quiet horror, more extreme horror? I mean, how would you describe it? Yeah. So usually, um, you know, quickly I'll say when somebody asks, I usually say I write, you know, female-driven, diverse horror suspense. Um, it's important to me, you know, I'm a woman. It's important to me that mo- the majority of my characters are, are women. Um, I think horror is a great space for to tell, you know, female stories. And uh, I, I, I definitely, you know, <laughs> I would love to say that I'm this quiet horror person. Um, it would make <laughs> me sound very respectable. Um, but, uh, I do love gore. I, I love creatures. I love, you know, I, I love sort of throwing people into like, you know, a Sam Raimi movie where there's blood everywhere. Um, so, you know, as much as I, I read Shirley Jackson and I'm like, wow, I wish I was so subtle. Um, I don't, I can't say that I am, (laughs) but, um, but at the same time, I really am it's very important to me that I write really complicated uh, characters who aren't just, you know, your sort of typical final girl character. I I like to have them be these people that maybe aren't always perfect. Um, They have their own life complications. You know, they make stupid decisions. Um, And so I, I try to sort of take that, that, literature aspect and sort of inject it in into my characters and um, put them in these crazy crazy situations i think i think that's the joy of of just genre in general is that um just being able to kind of walk in both of those worlds and because i'm just i love monsters like like i i take a lot of pride in my characters and i'm like oh this feels like a three-dimensional person now there's a monster in the room with them what happens next so like that's definitely uh, close to my heart for sure. Um, going back to the, the Stephen King stuff, I, another question that popped in mind was, um, out of all of the, the properties that you kind of touched on, all the stories that you touched on, which one was the most fun 
for you or the most kind of enlightening once you dug into the research? Ooh, good question. Well, as I mentioned, the, the dark half is pretty fun for me, again, because I do like, I like gore, and I got into some, like, real stuff there. Um, you know, I have to say, I really got fascinated by um, the sort of splitting of Stephen King and Richard Bachman, and the sort of biographical aspect of that, um, and... Uh, how that kind of came about, how this um, man um, discovered by basically just being a very eagle-eyed reader that they were the same person, and how he tried to essentially blackmail Stephen King with that knowledge. Um, and so there, that biography uh, part of it was really, I, I've always loved, um, you know, I since I was a kid, I, I've read biographies of people that I thought were interesting. So I, I really like those sort of aspects. Um, and then sort of like bringing it then into what he's writing at the time and like, you know, why it makes sense, why he was writing this or that. And um, so, yeah, I have to say that was, that was probably my favorite part. Yeah, definitely fascinating. Um, talking about, um, uh, you were talking about, you know, writing short fiction and you've written short fiction and novels. Do you prefer, prefer uh, short fiction or novels? Do you, do you feel you're more of a natural uh, short story writer or a natural novelist? Um, I think that I'm probably more naturally a short story writer. I love, you know, really sort of getting to the point, so to speak, and really um, world building and that, in that sort of small way and having that character who, you know, my hope is that, you know, within a few lines you can understand and like start to care what happens to them. And, um, there's, there's something about reading and writing short stories. I just, I really love, um, that being said, and I'm probably saying this cause I'm editing a novel right now and I'm really in like the, the part where you want to just like throw it all in the trash. So I'm, I'm probably just <laughs> feeling partial to short stories right now. But um, that being said, like my novel series is three. The one that's published um, is three novels and they all take place in the same world with the same characters. So I was able to, you know, um, really immerse myself in that world. Um, and I loved it. So I think I probably am naturally more capable of writing short stories and like more sort of feel that pull to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's only because novels, novels are difficult and, yeah. um, uh, it, it takes a lot of emotional <laughs> labor and, um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So, um, I love them, but, um, I probably, I have to admit, I probably have a little more fun with the short stories. <laughs> Well, they say, you know, short stories are, are basically a sprint, and then the novel is like a marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. We were talking about, uh, you know, go, going back to, to King um, and some of his biography and the stories. Um, you know, uh, there's a story about how he, uh, in writing Carrie, he ended up throwing, throwing it in the trash, <laughs> and his wife yeah. saved it, and Tabitha, and... Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, it always, um, I find it, it's, it's a very emotional story. It's something that, uh, yeah, I always cry when I read it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when it's on writing. Yes, yes, of course. And, it, yeah, thank, thank God Tabitha was there to save the day. Um, but I think every single writer has had, you know, those moments. Um, and I know for me, it took me a while when I was younger. Um, I, I did a lot of deleting and, and sort of not, not, going ahead and just writing the damn thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, you kind of have to, for me, I had to get a little older and, and realize, okay, if I keep deleting everything, I'm never going to get anywhere. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's a good lesson there. Well, that novel uh, deals a lot with uh, telekinesis. Did you, in your research, did you find anything interesting about uh, telekinetic powers? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's so much. I mean, when we interview people, we try to sort of cover all the bases. You know, we come from a pretty, um, I don't want to say I'm skeptical because I think as I'm getting older, I'm probably getting less skeptical, but, um, mm. I come from, you know, a pretty science based, um, uh, sensibility. And 
So telekinesis, obviously, to me, sounds like it's not true. It's not a thing. It's not a science. Um, But it's interesting how in the research for something like that, you can start to sort of understand, you know, and, of course, you can get into, like, um, government conspiracies and all those types of things. Uh, but you can you can kind of start to understand why people do believe it, and um, and that there is you know documentation about um, testing and seeing you know there are people who genuinely were within the scientific community are testing it. Um, so I feel like over the course of writing these books, I I've become <laughs> more open to things than I was you know originally mm-hmm. um, you know. If you like, we did research into MK Ultra for this book, um, which um, was sort of trying to find out if people could be telekinetic, et cetera. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I found out all sorts of interesting things. And, and like I said, we try to interview people with different, you know, we talked to somebody who does aura photography. And um, that's not something like I've ever heard of or understand, but we try to get all those. We talked to a bunch of scientists, but we also like to talk to people who sort of, you know, are maybe more on the fringes of science and, and hear what they have to say. Well, he also um, kind of touches on that with, um, with the book Firestarter. Mm-hmm. Especially with the uh, so that that was interesting. I don't think that's in your book, but um, mm-hmm. it was uh, very interesting. And also, um, I think the Shining because you you do cover uh, Shining, like the telepathy yes. and ability to see and hear dead people. Yes, and um, the Institute, which is one of his newer books, oh, that's is right. very much yeah. That that's another great example, and that actually goes more into that feels very MK Ultra. Um, where, you know, kids with special abilities are kind of being pulled into this uh, government conspiracy. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously something that's on Stephen King's mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I have to ask, because I feel like this is one of King's most notorious, uh, <laughs> maybe in a bad way, books is Insomnia, um, which I actually like. I, it's very rare that I find anybody who likes insomnia. Uh, so what what did you discover in your research? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you did not find out that there are little bald doctors walking around in your hometown. But what did, what, what did you discover uh, in your research for insomnia? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, well, we've done a lot of, um, you know, sleep research because – what is it about? I mean, as horror fans, obviously we are. Oh, and by the way, I love insomnia. So, I mean, obviously we love the dark. We love creepy. You know, um, anything happening at night, the monster under the bed, so to speak. So, obviously, there's you know a lot of research on sleep. And one of the things we found that has really stuck in my mind, we actually found in our for our first book, um, was about, and, and this inspired Wes Craven to create. Um, Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street and it was this uh, situation where these Hmong immigrants um, a, a, a startling number of these young immigrants and this was in the sort of 70s I believe um, were dying in their sleep and these were healthy you know men um, usually kind of 20s 30s and it wasn't making any sense and their culture um in their culture, they were believing that it was a sleep demon called the Dacha. And so, you know, they were genuinely under the belief that, you know, they were being punished for um, fleeing Laos during the Vietnam War. And, you know, obviously scientists were like, okay, we've got to figure out what's going on here. And it, and it turned out that it was this, um, this rare sort of heart condition um, that was causing this, that was just within that community, um, and, and happened to sort of flare up, um, perhaps because of the stress of, of fleeing. But what it did for, for Kelly and I, when we were researching it, it, it was one of those like aha moments, so to speak, of you seeing how fiction and nonfiction are just genuinely fused all the time. Um, and how, you know, West Craven read this article and was like, Hey, what if, what if there was this sleep demon basically called Freddy Krueger? 
And then that also goes into culture of people who've reported sleep demons who wear a hat very similar to Freddy Krueger before Freddy Krueger was ever invented. So there's always, you know, these aspects of fiction and nonfiction where it's hard to even see, you know, where, where the line is, it, it blurs. And, um, and so sleep is obviously a topic that, uh, is, is fascinating because we all have to do it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, with the, I, I, I love a nightmare on Elm Street and that's, that's a very gory movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially for its time. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, you were talking about, uh, final girls and strong female characters and definitely Nancy, uh, is, is a, a really strong female character, uh, within that franchise. Oh yeah. She's the uh, best. I, I actually, I was just at, um, women in horror. No, it's uh, called Renegade uh, film festival now. And she was there, um, presenting, um, um, a, uh, her, a short film she was in and she's just so poised and intelligent and she really actually loves the horror community. You see a lot of actors sort of like not want to admit that they've been in horror movies, but, um, she's, she very much embraces it and, you know, sees, sees the worth and, and everything of, of horror filmmakers and stuff. So she's awesome. Absolutely. Heather Lanning Yes. Camp. I'm, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to just destroy her name. <laughs> no, I think, I think you got Lanning Yeah, Heather Lanning Camp. Camp, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, you also, you know, funny, you talk about uh, in your book, you have Pet Cemetery, which I, was really my favorite in high school, and that's another one that King almost left in a drawer because he thought it was too dark. And that <laughs> has a lot of uh, gothic horror roots, and I know that uh, you kind of uh, you kind of resonate with that. Uh, what did you find out about Pet Cemetery? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we had gone, when we had done research, you know, we had gone into, um, you know, I kind of fun stuff like, you know, deadly pets. Um, that's always fun. Rabies when we were talking <laughs> about Cujo. So we got into all sorts of things. Um, but I agree that Pet Cemetery. I, I think a lot of people, especially like the hardcore horror people love that one because it's, mm. it is dark and it makes you emotional. I mean, I don't think I got that book through that book without crying. Um, and I know for me, like certain books I've read, like it, for example, I read yeah. before I had kids. And then mm. when I had kids, I, after I read it again and it, it struck me completely differently in that part of my life, you know? So I feel like Pet Cemetery is the same sure. way where, um, it strikes you differently depending on where you are in your life, you know, whether or not you have kids, mm. it, it's sort of like. <laughs> it's sort of like who you're empathizing with at that moment. And um, so, yeah, that's just a, a beautifully written book. And I think that, you know, it evokes so many things. You know, we talk about grief in our book. Um, we talked to a grief counselor. Um, that was an interesting conversation. So, yeah, there's there's so many threads to pull there. Uh, we also talk about um, the Wendigo um, that appears in the, the newer version of the, the film. Um, okay. we don't go into the films too much, but, um, but that, that's an interesting sort of, uh, uh, way into culture as well. Yeah. Pet Cemetery. um, y'all were sharing the first Stephen King book stories. That was mine at yes. like 12 years old or something. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was way too young, but Hey, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. It's like every once in a while I think about that, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like to read that again. And now I have two kids, and I'm like, I don't think I really could at this mm -hmm. point. And and it's also one of those where I don't know if you guys experience this as writers too, where every once in a while you'll just be kind of floored by just the idea that another writer has. You're like, man, I wish I'd come up with that. And that's one of those where it's like, man, that's such a good succinct idea for a story. And even if I did think of it, I probably wouldn't be able to write it because it's, <laughs> it's just it's just too heavy. 
Um, but uh, I, just to kind of uh, switch over a little bit to one of your other books, I was uh, kind of just glancing at the um, the Science of Monsters. That one is just I, I'm a huge, huge just monster fan. Like I said, I'm, I, I keep having these moments where I'm like having conversations with my wife, and she loves reading like crime stories and thrillers and stuff like that. And she's like, "Yeah, you should write something like this." And every time I start to go down that direction, like a monster always sneaks in, and there's just nothing I can do about it. So I'm like, "Sorry, this." Is, this is what I got. But uh, thinking about that book that you wrote, um, I mean, what were some of your favorite kind of discoveries from that one? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Science of Monsters, we really got into, obviously, we talk about, like, the universal monsters, you know, kind of what your sort of iconic horror villains Um Oh, my gosh. We got into, you know, biology. We got into, um, like, really gross things. We... we <laughs> We go down these roads and we're like, okay, this is fascinating. But we, we talk about possession in that book. Um, you know, your your exorcist, your Reagan, and things like that. And, of course, there's that whole uh, line of research about, you know, um, uh, exorcisms that have been, you know, actually done. And, and those are just kind of, to be honest, that's kind of a sad uh, history um, because a lot of people were hurt. But we we went down this road of creatures that possess other creatures and it just got so disgusting. We were like, we're getting into like tapeworms and this one creature, like it gets in your mouth and it, it, it's only done this to other animals, but there's one human that had happened to them where it gets in your mouth and it replaces your tongue with itself. (laughs) You know, things like that where you're like, this is literally worse than being like, than Dracula, you know, like, please just have Dracula come in here or Dracula come in here. I'd rather than, you know, this disgusting stuff. So we, we find all sorts of fun things like that. But what we really like to do is sort of get in the history of the film and the creature. And, um, and then we just, we sort of go off in these wacky ways and, um, and, you know, see, Oh, how could this, how, how could that like be similar to, you know, the Wolfman or, um, uh, any number of monsters, so we we have a good time. <laughs> well, speaking of it, as a, speaking of monsters, I want to go back to it for a second. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I I used to be a member. Uh, this shows my age too of the uh, Stephen King uh, book club. <laughs> oh. And, and I actually had uh, the hardcover from that club of it. Now it is a thousand page book, and I used to walk around high school <laughs> with it. Oh. And I think I have still uh, shoulder problems. <laughs> yeah, oh, but you're you're so cool! I would have hung out with you in high school. Yeah, and you carrying that. <laughs> you you would have been the only one. <laughs> well, I used to I used to read Gore Zone magazine too. That was my favorite magazine. Oh yes. Yeah. You were a dear raider, David. You were officially had the title of dear raider. Yes. Yeah. Constant reader. Constant reader. Constant reader. Yeah, I said theory. Constant reader. Same difference. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't have it hardcover. I got to get my hands on that. I only have a a paperback of it. That's a doorstop. Yeah, it is. (laughs) What did you learn? What do you think you learned about Stephen King that you didn't know uh, before you started researching him? Oh, good question. Um, You know, I think I learned how much, uh, this is a little cheesy, but I think I learned how much family is important to him, Mm. Um, how much he is, you know, inspired by sort of the loss of his family, like just thinking about it. I think that's his true fear. Um, You know, there's grief um, in a lot of his books. And so I, 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 think what I've learned sort of by reading all of his things in sort of, you know, a chronological order, so, so to speak, or, you know, through his life is that he's gone through all sorts of different things in his life. But I think that's kind of the one constant um, is that he's, he's very much a family man and that's his, his fear. So I would have to say that. Yeah. And almost all his uh, kids went on to have writing careers. Yeah, I'm a huge Joe Hill fan. Yeah. He's he's excellent. Um, I often say that Joe Hill, you know, he, he's 
a lot like his father in the way he writes. Um, But he also has an almost extra emotional component. Um, I feel like Mm. I have actually cried reading Joe Hill, maybe even more than Stephen King. And he looks a lot like his dad, too. He does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about your, your own work do you feel was influenced by King? Well, you know, as I said, I think the characters, um, I, I sort of love how he really gets down deep in there and, and shows flaws and all. Um, I love, again, he has this way of sort of just pointing out the absurdity of life um, mm. in a very comical way. You know, when you think of a lot of, like, his, his sort of, like, smaller characters that, that people come across that seem... Um, almost like unreal but then you see somebody in real life and you're like wow that person that person would be in a Stephen King book like they're just so (laughs) you know there's you know who I'm talking about Mm. and um so I I love to sort of you know bring kind of those absurd aspects in because life is absurd and (laughs) um and of course I mean just his absolute glee for horror um he he clearly has fun um what he puts these characters through and um and i do too so (laughs) i guess i'm inspired (laughs) by that (laughs) well as um you know in in your own work how how do you experience your characters uh do you have an inner monologue in your head um is is that how you write dialogue or do you see things more as images and and symbols and then uh, kind of transfer that to the page Um, I'm definitely, I'm not an image sort of person or a picture sort of person. I'm definitely like inside their head person. So Mm. I would say I, I'm feeling things the way they're feeling them and sort of like processing things the way they're processing them. So I guess more the former where it's, it's more of an inner monologue of me, like sort of feeling and sensing. I think that's kind of, um, I tend to forget, you know, to describe what they're wearing or <laughs> uh, things like that because I'm always sort of up in their head, um, and I forget, you know, that that they they do have to like proverbial or or however look in the mirror, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get your characters? Do you do you uh, take your inspiration from from real people? Are they just uh, 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 do they just uh, kind of show up in your in your mind? How, how does that work for you? Well, um, sometimes, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say there's <laughs> probably an aspect of myself in a lot of my characters, um, like something I'm, like, you know, working through or, or something, you know, I wish I did better or something I'm proud of. I, I probably have some aspect in a lot of them, but um, I think that... Oftentimes, I will actually think of perhaps an issue first. Like, um, you know, I know I wanted to have this character. I was like, you know, um, I've heard about people who, like, have that condition where they, like, pick at their skin and they have all this anxiety. And And I thought about sort of that first. And then I'm like, okay, now why is this person going through that? And then once I sort of, like, go down that road of, okay, why would this character, you know, have to deal with such some, something like that, you know? And, of course, I'm going to throw them in an even more terrible situation, but I'm like, you know, why do we want to watch this character, you know, uh, get better and maybe learn something from this and, and seek help and blah, blah. So sometimes it can be something simple like that. Um, but I, I think, like I said, I'd be lying if, if a lot of them are, you know, different versions of myself let's be honest <laughs> there's uh there's so much good horror right now and it's it's i think it's a great time to be a horror writer or reader um who are you who have you read lately that that has uh really stuck with you oh my gosh there are so many awesome horror authors out there right now it's actually overwhelming i'm sitting here talking to you and i can see my tbr um, my to be red pile and it's it's like oh my gosh I need to just get on it but I read constantly um, I'm a huge fan of Keelan Patrick Burke um, mm, excellent yeah I just I'm reading Kin right now by him um, I was I really loved um, C- Catrona Ward um, 
Last House on Needless Street was mm-hmm. really good. Um, uh, Haley Piper, Lauren Hightower. Um, oh, there's just, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just absolutely love um, what's out there right now. And um, of course, I read any new Stephen King or Joe Hill that comes out. Do you have any influences that uh, might be surprising to fans, whether it's uh, film, movies, uh, or just just anything that, that uh, comes to mind from, from your daily life? Yeah, well, um, I am a huge Twilight Zone fan. Um, mm. So I think sometimes my short stories kind of go that route. Um, yeah. I, who doesn't love a good Twilight Zone, you know, a little bit of a twist and um, just sort of the great setups they had. So I would say that. I don't know if that's super surprising. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I also, I love, I love a good, like, romance. You know, I don't, I don't read a lot of romance, but, you know, I love a good romance in a movie. Um, and so I like to kind of put that aspect in there, too, which you know, doesn't always happen. So uh, that, that can be kind of a fun, unexpected thing. Well, romance is, is important within, within a book, typically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Motifs and stuff. You, you've written quite a bit. Um, have you noticed any reoccurrent themes or anything that um, has tended to repeat within your stories, and, and uh, whether, whether you did it deliberately or unconsciously? I don't know if you've noticed anything like that. Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that as somebody who we're gonna get we're gonna get into the therapy now. As okay, perfect. Who, uh, <laughs> How does that make you feel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think because I was maybe like when I was younger, I was a little more unsure of myself, and you know, um, didn't have a lot of confidence in my writing and things like that. I think that a lot of my characters are sometimes um, they need to sort of see their, see their strength, which isn't, I mean, I think that that trope, so to speak, you see that a lot, but I think that um, sometimes my characters at the offset might seem a little weak, um, but it's because, you know, I'm building them up and, um, and I, I want them to, to learn something along the way. And I'm a mother, so there's obviously, you know, a motherhood component to a lot of my stories too, because that's how I sort of view the world, um, right now, especially, um, perhaps when mm. I'm a little older and they're a little older, that will change. But I think just like Stephen King, it's like, you can kind of see the, the evolution of his life. Um, and I think you could probably see that in any any writer's work, but yeah, I mean, and I also, um, birds scare me, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I see a threatening bird here or there. <laughs> well, it's, it's true though, too, you're talking about, uh, basically character arcs, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's necessary, and sometimes, I've seen this happen a lot in movies lately, is they want the character to be, already be fully vested or, or, mm-hmm. or strong or powerful and they don't give this character a chance to be weak and then to yeah. grow and have that type of a transformation. Yeah, that's you know, kind of a, a pet peeve of mine because, you know, there's this idea that a woman in horror should be Ripley mm. and I love Ripley. She's awesome. But um, I've seen like a lot of like memes and stuff that makes uh, fun of um, Shelley Duvall and The Shining, and I'm like, wait a minute, she, like mm. she she helps her son get out of there, like she yes. walks into like she, okay, like maybe she's not Ripley, but she got done what she needed to get done, like you know. So I I want people to sort of like understand that you know women characters don't necessarily have to be kicking down the door. Um, Mm. They can be using all sorts of different aspects of their personality, like, you know, any sort of different types of smarts. Um, And women are just as complicated and problematic as as men. Um, We Mm. make stupid choices, and I like to see that reflected in the characters I watch. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's definitely important. And Shelley Duvall was, like, terrorized in making that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. So poor crazy. thing. Yeah, I know. But, it, you know, it, I, I think 
that's probably one of the greatest films ever made. I agree. Even though King hates it. I know. I know. It's it's my number one favorite movie, and I have – so my best friend and I, we each have one of the the twins on our arm um, from (laughs) Twining. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's got, you know, the carpet and everything. And so when we – if we hold hands, like, it kind of looks like they're holding hands, like we put our our, arms next to each other. But my fear (laughs) – this is my fear is that I'm going to meet Stephen King, and he's going to see my tattoo is for the movie, not the book. Like, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. I'm like, he's going to judge me if you ever saw that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be coming for you. Yes, exactly. His dark half. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yes, I, th- that's my number one favorite movie of all time, even if Stephen King disagrees. <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, I'm wondering, too, we were talking about your characters. Um, have any of your characters done anything to surprise you? Have they maybe uh, rebelled against the plot and uh, just kind of <laughs> taken over? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I actually had one character, one very beloved character in the second or third book do something. Well, he was going to kill somebody, and my editor just wouldn't let me do it. She Mm. just was like, people will never. I I thought, (laughs) listen, this is the way it's going to go. People are going to understand why he did it. And she was like, people are going to rebel. People are going to be so upset. I'm upset. (laughs) And I don't always listen to the editor, but I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll calm down. Uh, I won't have you person. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to have any tears. But, yeah, I've had characters who are bad, who, who were even worse than I thought they were. Um, so that's kind of fun. I mean, obviously we're controlling these characters, but it's kind of fun when, you know, you're so into it that they kind of run amok. Hmm. Well, are, are you a pantser or a plotter? How does that work for you? Or I'm, you a a both? <laughs> I'm a pantser because, um, you know, and that's probably what's gotten me into trouble with novel writing. Cause I, I mean, not everybody has to edit. So of course I'm just editing like everybody, but, um, I'm a pantser because it would be boring to me. Otherwise, um, I don't want to know everything that's going to happen, especially with a short story. I just go in with a very vague idea. Um, novels, I try to have a little bit more, of an idea, but yeah, I just, I just wing it because I want it to be fun. I, to me, plotting everything out, I wouldn't want to even fill it in at that point. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of writers are like that. They feel, you know, I'm, I'm also a pantser for the most part, even though I'm kind of structured in my life, but um, yeah, it, it feels like it would be boring if yeah. uh, you knew everything that was going to happen. And that's really for the second draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, do do you do anything to uh, like relax or recharge or decompress <laughs> in between chapters of novels or or, or novels or, or, or even even uh, uh, nonfiction? Um. Yes, I love to read. I you know watch way too much TV, but there's so much good TV out there right now. Um. I you know I I try to re- I try to relax. Um. I love to travel, and finally, you know, it's starting to feel like we can do some more traveling, and um, so, yeah, I, there are other aspects of me, but I'm also screenwriting um, and doing, you know, lots of, lots of different aspects of my job, which is awesome because um, I had the best job in the world. Absolutely. How have you, uh, with screenwriting itself, uh, do you notice a... A, a big difference in uh, for, from running uh, short fiction and yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, my so I've been doing that with my my friend that I co-authored the books with, and she's a much more visual person. Um, so I think there's kind of an aspect of it that she's she's really good at because she sort of sees everything like a movie or you know. Um, because I kind of get stuck up in characters' heads, um, it's challenged me to sort of write differently, um, and, and in a really good way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a learning curve to write things, um, in that way and also take out a lot of the flowery language that I like to use, um, because scripts don't need you to go on and on about, you know, anything. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's a whole, it's kind of uses a different part of my brain, which is, is actually kind of fun. And, and I think my fiction background actually brings things to it that other people don't bring. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a a learning curve, but we're, we're really enjoying it. We got nominated for a, um, award for a TV show we wrote last year and um, we're working on lots of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's. It's fun, but it's it's a whole other game. Now, um, how do you like people to get in touch with you? Do you use social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Carrier Pigeon? <laughs> do you <laughs> yeah. have a website? <laughs> yeah, um, you can send me presents. Um, no, uh, I <laughs> am on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Meg Hoffdahl. Um, I have my website, meghoffdahl.com. Um, I also have a podcast and that website is, um, horrorrewind.com and, um, yeah, you can find me anywhere and everywhere. I'm, I'm on Facebook, um, Meg Hoffdahl Horror Author on there. So I'm, I'm pretty hard to, uh, not find. And we'll, uh, we'll put all that information on our website so our listeners can find it with one click. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Uh, so, um, how was, um. I don't know if you uh, uh, were writing this book during uh, COVID and the lockdown, uh, especially like the Stephen King one. Did, did you uh, did you find it harder to do research, or uh, how how was uh, the lockdown for you when it came to your writing? Oh well, you know, writing is is a pretty uh, easy job, obviously, to do in, in that kind of environment, but. Um, it did kind of change a few aspects. We were writing the Stephen King book at sort of the height of it. Um, and we were going to interview, I have a friend who actually is a pandemic expert. Um, and I remember saying to uh, my co-author, it was just at the beginning and I'm like, Oh yeah, well, once this COVID thing blows over, we'll talk to him and get him, you know, to interview for the book. But of course the COVID thing did not blow over. And uh, he ended up being extremely busy and um, could not be in our book, understandably. So, you know, there were things like that we had to pivot. And, of course, we weren't able to have, like, an actual real, um, you know, book signing event. But overall, um, it didn't really affect affect our job too much. That's excellent. Um, so what's what's next? Uh, what's, what's new on the horizon? Yeah, so uh, our next book together that's coming out is um, The Science of Witchcraft, and that is coming out October 4th. So we're really excited about that, and we're going to be doing, um, you know, everything goes well. We're going to be doing a tour. Um, We hope to actually visit Salem and um, do some tour um, dates up there. And uh, as well, both coasts. So we're, we're thrilled about that. And, uh, and then as far as my fiction, I am hard at work on a novel. This is my first novel that's going to be um, agented, so um, I'm very excited about that to see sort of the possibilities. And it's, it's, a, it's a horror book, and um, it's got a kind of serial killer aspect to it, and um, I'm really excited to, to get it out there. Excellent. Well, it looks like we are out of time. Um... The author we've been talking to is uh, Meg Halfdahl. Uh, the book uh, that we're talking about today and that you must go out and buy is The Science of Stephen King, The Truth Behind Pennywise, Jack Torrance, Carrie Cujo, and more iconic characters from The Master of Horror. Thanks for being here, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is here production of something with media. I'll be back.